0: It's strange being back on the old farm. Even after all these years, it still feels like home. My amazing new friends have suffered their first real defeat. That's bad enough, but they've also lost the opportunity to find out about their mentor. And I'm sure that hurts them much more than anything else. Each of them deals with this confusion in his own way. Donatello has found someone to latch on to. Not even close, Zipneck. Professor and Marianne happily ever after. <laughs> no way atomic mouth.
1: Gilgan was her main man. They'd be married and have six kids by now. Uh, Gilgan was a geek. Barfaroni You're the geek camel breath. But head Elf <laughs> flips Let's give this a try. Let's see this transplant work. Funkoid. All right here goes. What are we on? Uh gee. Here goes, gag face. I'm ready, hose brain. Yow! It worked. Okay.
0: Leonardo, meanwhile, has kept a constant vigil with Raphael. there's Casey Jones, a nine-year-old trapped in a man's body. He might almost be cute if it wasn't for that pig-headedness.
1: Donatello!
2: He's out with the others, uh, uh exercising. Doing something together, I don't know. Want some help? Oh. Hey, I am your man. I am mister Fixit. All right. Let's go. Lead the way, Touch. Toots? Babe? Sweetcakes? Ah, princess! Do you want to throw me a clue here? I'm drowning.
0: You know what? That's okay. I'll take care of it myself. Fine.
2: That's up to you. Just don't come around here asking for my help anymore.
0: See, I wouldn't ask for your help if you were the last thing on the face of this planet. It's
3: coming along nicely.
0: God, if your life had a face, I
2: would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do You
4: think I'm especially not a genius?
0: Veronica, why are you pulling my dick?
3: Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood.
5: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 312, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The level of joy I get from the
4: New Line Cinema logo with that sound bite that plays coming in for it, like,
5: doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I love it. Well? Well? The Turtles ending up on New Line Cinema is part of the whole story. We are, of course, discussing the 1990 original first film. The only one. (laughs) The only one that matters, in my opinion. This was sort of a last-minute shuffle, and I'm glad we ended up with it, because Mm -hmm. I had thought about doing this and putting it on the schedule, and then sometimes whenever I make a sudden schedule change, that's when a lot of joy can be had, because... Definitely. All of a sudden, we're just doing something that we weren't expecting to do. And I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, I knew you would pick it when I sent (laughs) you that. It was almost like a setup. It's just
4: one of those ones from my childhood, but I watched for years even beyond my childhood. Started being nostalgic about it while I was still a youth. Like, would watch it in high school.
5: Yeah, I don't know how much overall appeal this movie has to our listeners. I think it's very big among people specifically in our age range. Mm -hmm. But people younger than us and older than us, I don't know if it really carries as much weight but yeah
4: who knows i don't know i think it's cool the opening shots of new york city i think is an unbelievable way to start out <laughs> i just think it looks awesome but it's funny because being young and watching this all the shots that are not actually new york city like that's what i pictured new york city to look like
5: oh yeah i definitely have in my notes that this movie Shaped a young Zach's first impressions of New York City, right. even though it was almost not shot in New York City at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for like the establishing shots. Before we jump into TMNT, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Reach out to us via email, greatestpod at gmail.com. And find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby. Full disclosure, we are recording this right after the Super Bad episode. And we were recording both of those episodes only days after Malcolm X. So this is all a condensed time period. Because Matt mm-hmm. is ruining my life. But we are headed into a very intense period of our schedule all of a sudden so if you are a fan of the show and are thinking man i'd love to hear more well then we got a treat (laughs) lots of episodes coming up yeah including many listener requests i know some of you who have submitted them or paid for them or whatever are probably thinking why are they doing all these ones that aren't listener requests well relax there's gonna be a big run of them coming up soon we just needed to get a few out of the way definitely One of them that was so pressing was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We just had to do this. (laughs) Which was a last minute ad. Yeah, I know. I like how I threw that in there. Well, we had plans to do something else entirely, but I wanted to shake it up and here we are. And this is one that is a special treat for Matt's upcoming birthday because he loves it so much. Thank you. (laughs) As mentioned, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was released in 1990. The film was directed by Steve Barron who mostly was known for a variety of popular music videos. Lots of huge artists. The one other theatrical release that people would probably know is Coneheads that he directed. Hmm. Not really a ton in that arena. Plus, Baron supposedly was fired towards the end of making this film. I see. And post-production was completed without him. I think there was some concern that the movie was too dark. Is that why there's three editors listed in the... Well, they fired Sally Menke, too, who famously goes on to be Tarantino's editor of choice Mm -hmm. up until her death. So, yeah, they didn't like her work either, (laughs) apparently. They were wrong. Screenplay by Todd W. Langan and Bobby Herback, based on characters created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Before we jump in and go any further... I will say that even though this film I believe was on Netflix up until very recently is now not streaming anywhere for free so you will have to rent it I actually just straight up purchased it on Vudu
4: I own a DVD
5: I have the VHS and I have a VHS yeah. player but I like to have closed captioning on when I do the notes I get it and I can't have captioning even if the VHS has that capability I don't have a remote for my VCR so Yeah wasn't going to happen the budget of the film was thirteen point five million, and the box office was two hundred and two million, making it a huge smash Absolutely. hit. Absolutely, holy shit! It was actually considered the highest-grossing independent film up until the Blair Witch Project. Wow, which seems surprising because you're thinking, okay, huge IP, right?
4: I know, popular, it seems crazy comic
5: book turned into a popular cartoon. What's the deal? Well, there was absolutely no studio backing when the film went into production, and then they eventually shopped it around for distribution.
4: Weird. This is not the type of movie that you expect to be an independent.
5: Many major studios, such as Walt Disney Pictures, Columbia Pictures, MGM, Orion Pictures, Paramount, whose parent company, Viacom, would acquire the TMNT property in 2009, and Warner Brothers turned down the film for distribution... They were worried that despite the popularity of the cartoon and the toy line, the film could potentially be a box office disappointment like Masters of the Universe was just a couple of years prior. The film found distribution roughly halfway through the initial production via the then-small-and-independent production company New Line Cinema, which had been known for distributing low-budget B-movies and art house fare. A lot of people within the industry referred to New Line as the house that Freddie built because they released Mm. A Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's what brought them into prominence. Originally, a filmed adaptation of The Ninja Turtles was planned to be made and released in the mid-'80s, predating the cartoon, which began in 1987. A direct comic book adaptation at that point, but they could not find financing or studio interest, so the film never moved forward in the 1980s, the first pitch Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird actually got for a film treatment was from none other than Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Oh. The idea was to have the Turtles played by four comedians who were popular at the time. Gallagher, Sam Kinnison, Bobcat Goldthwaite, and Billy Crystal. Wow. <laughs> that would have been bizarre. The actors would be dressed in turtle shells and have their arms and legs painted green. Another treatment received at the time... Took the turtles into R rated territory and included a scene with partially nude nuns on roller skates fighting the heroes.
4: I would have been interested in that version.
5: Why not fully nude nuns? Yeah. I'm thinking right (laughs) off the bat. There was another early idea where they were going to try to go the Who Framed Roger Rabbit approach. Where they're animated. Humans interacting with animated. Right. I don't think they realized how involved and how expensive that would be. Yeah. A $13.5 million budget, we know that that. Wasn't going to cut it. Was nowhere near what the budget of Roger Rabbit ended up being. The script is based mainly on the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics, including the stories of the Turtles' origins, Rooftop Battle, Sojourn to the Farmhouse, and Battle with Shredder. Elements were also taken from the 1980s animated series, such as the Turtles' colored bandanas and Love of Pizza, elements of Michelangelo's character and April O'Neill as a television reporter instead of a lab assistant. Much of the production took place in North Carolina with a couple of location shoots in New York City during the summer of 1989 to capture famous landmark areas such as Times Square, the Empire State Building, and the Hudson River. As I said hilariously, when I think of what I pictured New York City to mm-hmm. be, I thought of this movie. Absolutely. There was a the definite store grungy... Yeah vibe that New York City gave out in the eighties, whether it's Jason takes Manhattan or something mm-hmm. like this and even the shots that are so clearly sets. Right. They even have like piles of garbage, yeah, garbage yeah. bags. Everything's just a dump. The sewer grates. Yeah, it seemed like a very crowded, busy, scary area. Yeah. Some of the locations used in Wilmington were also used in the Super Mario Brothers, which came out in nineteen ninety three, and The Crow from nineteen ninety four. Huh kind of blowing the lid off of all of these famous New York films. Yeah, really. (laughs) I think Wilmington had a big thing. I don't remember which studio it was or what. There was like a whole unused area that had sets and room for sets, and then it became like kind of a hot spot for a few years, I think. Yeah. For location shooting. If you
4: had probably asked me up to a certain point in my life, I would have just said, oh, yeah, this movie was shot 100% on location in New York City. Because well, you just you have that warped sense of perception from being a kid.
5: Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Scream 6. And I yeah. was like, I don't, kind of don't feel like this was filmed in the city. Uh-huh. And then you look it up. None of it was filmed in New York City. Right. It was all filmed in Montreal. <laughs> and you're fooled every time yes, by establishing absolutely. such. You're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, they're in New York City right. now. yeah. Even though as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, they're inside a lot of these random places a lot. This kind of doesn't really feel like New York. Right. The turtle costumes were created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop in London. Which that in and of itself seems sort of odd for an independent movie.
4: It feels like a bigger production company to work with.
5: There was a personal relationship with Steve Barron, the director. He had directed the pilot episode of one of Jim Henson's shows or Ah, something. And this was kind of a personal favor. Jim Henson said that the creatures were the most advanced that he had ever worked with. The creatures were first made out of fiberglass and then remolded out of clay. They were produced as molds to cast the whole body in foam, rubber, latex. The work at the creature shop was completed in 18 weeks. Henson ended up not being particularly thrilled with the level of violence in the film, and this would be the last theatrical film he worked on before his death, as he would die a few months after the film debuted in theaters. But what do you think of the look, though? I think it's pretty awesome. It's very unique. It's one of a kind. I think it's cool. There are a couple of moments where you can kind of see mm-hmm. the actor in the mouths, but aside from those little flubs, which right. end up being kind of creepy looking. I think the big thing is is that it's unlike anything else. Exactly. There's really no comps to this. Yeah, yeah.
4: And I would think as a kid, I was always like mesmerized trying to figure out what the hell the situation was here, because I would see Henson the name and just think of
5: puppets. Well, yeah, there were several puppeteers per turtle, plus the stunt people who did the stunts, but then Mm -hmm. there would also be an actor who did most of it. So basically the actor would be the one moving around in there. And then other than Josh Pace, who does the voice and the in-suit performance for Raphael, everyone else was separate. The voice you're hearing is not the person in the costume. I mean, they're able to
4: move in these things. The fighting looks pretty cool.
5: So the facial expressions and the movements in the face were all controlled separately. Obviously, the person inside is not controlling them. Those are more almost like a machine or something. Not a machine, but separate controls. The voice actors were Brian Tochi as Leonardo, Corey Feldman as Donatello. Oh. Feldman claims he was only paid $1,500 for the voice work as the producers convinced him this was some small independent movie that Mm -hmm. they hoped might turn a little bit of a profit on VHS and then it ends up making 200 (laughs) plus million Robbie wrist as Michelangelo and Kevin Clash as Splinter so before we get into the actual story of this movie which loomed large over both of our childhoods I would say I was telling you I think Mm -hmm. probably in my first five theatrical experiences
4: yeah I did not see it in the theater but I had the VHS and watched it to death
5: this was the year of me seeing movies in the theater consistently for the first time. I was probably about six when this came out. Home Alone, I believe, came out the same year. Was hmm. that the next year? I don't know. All in this time period, you're finally discovering movies and stuff for the first time. Because I'd seen Land Before Time in the theater, but I was still so young that you don't even know what that yeah. is. Like You don't know what's going on. But another
4: VHS that I watched a million times. Everything from Arch childhood is kind of dark or sad.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how things were back then. Yeah, I know. Kids entertainment is not really like this now. Right. And this movie isn't that scary no, or but sad, but it's definitely darkness to it. grungy yeah. and different than what you would see now. Even though the Megan Fox Turtles movie was rated PG-13 and this is PG, I still think this is dark in like a different way. Yeah, you think not kids really...
4: smoking cigars in the Megan Fox one?
5: This one really wouldn't register necessarily for the ratings board in 1990, but it just it's it's more of like the vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's very emo right. actually, which yeah. is different.
4: So, 100% for me.
5: Before we talk about the plot, let's talk about the sequels, reboots, etc. Neither of us have seen any of the recent turtle stuff, anything post Turtles in Time. We both watched the cartoon, but yeah. have very limited memories of it, I would say. Yeah.
4: I had multiple one off VHSs with oh. one episode on them that you'd get with, from like Pizza Hut promotions or something. Yeah, um, I think
5: there was like two or three, but yeah. yeah. I think it was two or three episodes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. What was that company? Like FHS or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They had a long standing deal with Pizza Hut, but. Aside from the cartoon, we're not experts in the comics. We don't know anything about it. We didn't stick with the franchise. We're not experts on this franchise.
4: I will say a big part of my youth, too, was many versions of the video games, whether it was like the first Nintendo or Super Nintendo.
5: Oh, yeah, we'll be talking about that Okay, okay. We don't know anything about the various shows that came after the original cartoon or all of the movies, the animated movies, the Megan Fox movies, any of that stuff we don't know about. But the original trilogy... We could talk a little bit about, I guess. In 1991, they released the first sequel, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Mm -hmm. For me, even as a kid, who had no real discerning taste, I liked it, but I could kind of feel like it was a drop-off. Part of it was because no Casey Jones. Yes, that was a bummer. And a different April. Yes, which was noticeable. Anytime a movie switched casting or a TV show switched somebody when they replaced Eric's sister on that seventy show. Anytime anything happened like that, it always threw me off, right. and I didn't like it.
4: I did have a run as a kid where I thought Secret of the Ooze was the movie. I did love it when I first watched it. There were several parts of it that I thought were more fun, but then years go by, you watch it again, and it didn't stick with me, and I would go on to revisit the first one several times over, And Secret of the Ooze did not stay in that realm for me.
5: The Secret of the Ooze has some cool moments. Kevin Nash is super... Yeah. ...and different shit like that. And
4: Vanilla Ice doing the whole Go Ninja Go thing. (laughs) Come on.
5: But the plot stinks. It's kind of a mess, and it lost all of its hard edge and emotion, and... Yeah. It's much more goofy. It doesn't have
4: as much grit.
5: It also cost over 30 million to make whereas this first movie cost 13.5 and it only made like 70 something million whereas this one made 202. Mhm. It was a considerable disappointment compared to the first movie, which is why it's surprising that they didn't waste any time and went right into Turtles 3, which came out in 1993.
4: Yeah. And I will say in 93 I was still in the Target demo. Which I did see the third one in the theater. That's rough. If I'm still in the Target demo, a huge Turtles fan, and I, at that time I still was like, I'm not really that into this.
5: I, I don't think anybody liked Turtles 3. Yeah.
4: I was still of the ilk. I was still someone that was just willing to like whatever they were going to do, and I still didn't really like it.
5: So, no, you weren't really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
4: guess we would come to find out.
5: I don't have the box office numbers for 3. I didn't bother looking because I never saw it. and I yeah. don't care.
4: I have revisited all more recently. The third one's still the hardest to watch. Splinter looks progressively worse in each movie by the third movie, really resembling Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Oof. Yeah.
0: Much more than just a series of small, isolated incidents, it's now apparent that an organized criminal element is at work. And at the moment, business is good. So good, in fact, that there appear to be no eyewitnesses to any of these crimes. With complaints ranging from purse snatching to breaking and entering, police switchboards have been swamped with the angry voices of more and more citizens who have fallen prey to the recent surge of crime that continues to plague the city. Instead of getting better, things have actually gotten worse. Even more alarming is the baffling and often bizarre nature of these crimes. Merchandise of every size and description, from skateboards to stereo systems, has been disappearing from store shelves and storage areas at an alarming rate. Even the victims themselves rarely catch a glimpse of the thieves. Many don't even know they've been victimized until it's too late. In fact, police have yet to come up with a single eyewitness. Only a few vague reports of young boys or teenagers at the scenes have been filed. But whoever is behind these crimes, one thing is certain. These are much more than just a series of random isolated incidents. criminals, an invisible gang at work, who are we going to call? Unfortunately, the police are the only ones available to combat what some are already dubbing the silent crime wave. But perhaps the most disturbing silence is that coming from City Hall. April O'Neill, Channel 3 Eyewitness News.
5: In New York City, television news reporter April O'Neill, played by Judith Hoag. The incomparable
4: Judith Hogue I'd say.
5: Yeah, this is gonna turn into like a ninety-minute tribute to yeah. Judith Hogue. I call her Judith Hoagie, and that's a term of endearment.
4: <laughs> when I watch this movie, I'm always like, man, it seemed like there should have
5: been more with Judith Hogue. She's had a long career. She's that's still true. acts. Yeah, she was on Nashville, uh-huh. a show that I liked. <laughs> yeah, well, their first mistake was fucking not having her back into Secret of the Hills. Mm-hmm. April O'Neil reports on a silent crime wave quickly enveloping the city. As we hear her report, we see a man pickpocketed on the street, and the wallet changes hands several times.
4: Yeah, it seems like too elaborate
5: for a pickpocket scheme, doesn't it? Before a heavily armored arm reaches for it. So I have a question right off the bat. Is the last arm supposed to be Shredder? (laughs) No one else is wearing that armor.
4: I don't know. I, I was thinking it was just some member of the Foot Clan, but...
5: I think they want yeah. us to get the idea like this movie is for kids. Uh-huh. I think they want the kids to think that that's Shredder. Okay. Even though it doesn't make any sense. Right. Why he's involved he's doing with street, street level. level work? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's baffling. But I do like the Maybe he just Oh yeah. Every 5 seconds. Uh-huh.
4: I think the score is actually kind of cool for
5: a lot of It's Very repetitive. I'll say that.
4: Yeah. Repetitive and good.
5: Robin Williams who was a big fan of the franchise, provided Judith Hogue with information regarding her character through his comic book collection. The two were co-starring in Cadillac Man when the Turtles film went into production. Huh. Other people in the mix for April O'Neil, Jennifer Beals, Marissa Tomei, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Melanie Griffiths, Sean Young, Lorraine Bracco, Winona Ryder, huh, and Brooke Shields, I'm going to go ahead and say Keep dreaming on most of those names. I doubt that they really would have done this. Yeah. And I'm going to say the same thing when we talk about Casey Jones. (laughs) This (laughs) list of names, like, okay. Originally, Steve Barron wished to replicate April O'Neil's jumpsuit look from the early Mirage comics and the cartoon. The look was going to more closely resemble the cartoon with a yellow-colored jumpsuit and a big head of red hair as opposed to a green jumpsuit and brown hair. However, Judith Hoag found the jumpsuit horrifying, (laughs) and the idea was nixed. The yellow raincoat April wears in the beginning of the movie is an homage to the yellow jumpsuit she wears in the 1987 cartoon. Well, I'll say this. It's an homage, and it's iconic. Absolutely. That fucking look she's rocking leaving the news station at the beginning
4: is so cool. Yeah, and you can definitely see a version of this with the yellow jumpsuit, and it's cringe. She looks like Big Bird or yeah.
5: something. Yeah, I think having her wear kind of a stylish, almost punky kind of look, almost like a Cindy Lopper. Yeah. She's so unusual era with like the socks and like the converse with the yellow raincoat with the collar up a little bit. Mm-hmm. She just looks like a cool chick. Definitely. <laughs> There's a quick shot during this montage Where she's talking about the crime wave, where we're supposed to put that together with this lair that's kind of across the river. It's a decrepit brick building in the shadow of New York City. I like the old-fashioned Burger King containers and wrappers. Everything. All of the product placement in this movie. (laughs) Off the charts. Pretty cool purple, pink, and blue skies during this time period. It looks really interesting and unique. Mm -hmm. As we alluded to, Hoag was not asked to return. Apparently, she complained about the strenuous working schedule, six-day work weeks, and then ultimately, just like Jim Henson, the amount of violence in the film. We were trying to figure out what the deal was with that, and I just attribute that to how the country was focused on different things back then. And I think that since this was a movie for kids, there was a lot more concern about violence in the films, whereas now people kind of let the violence go and are more concerned about sex and stuff like that. When I
4: think about violence, though, it's not like there's a drop of blood in this movie. I guess it's just, like, the weapons. Weapons and fighting. Somebody gets hit with a golf club. That's pretty rough.
5: Yeah, and the ending is kind of brutal. Yeah, that's true. That part, I I get. That night, when she's leaving the studio, April is attacked by a group of thieves and is saved by an unseen team of vigilantes. The lights are knocked out so that no one can see what's happening, and then the cops arrive quickly in the aftermath, Everybody's tied up. Everyone's conveniently tied up, and there is a left-behind Mm-hmm. one of the weapons.
4: A weapon that you'd come to wonder, how does this exist? If you're one of the turtles and you end up with the Psy's,
5: I don't know. Was- well, you can stab people, I guess. Yeah. Leo's got swords, you know? Compare the grungy, DIY, dirty realness of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 with the overproduced slick CGI stuff that we're accustomed to now.
4: Mm-hmm. This, this is isn't even one clear. of those
5: like nostalgic, oh, we don't get it like this anymore. It's just a completely different feel where it's so strange and surprising that it's really just because the studios swung and missed on this. Mm-hmm. That's really all this is attributed to. Yeah. If a major studio had made this movie in 1990, you wouldn't be having Raphael yelling, damn, three times in the first 10 minutes. Well, that's the
4: thing. It does seem like they're establishing early on that, yes, this is a movie for kids, but we're going to kick it up a notch.
5: We're going to push it a little bit. Yeah. And it's not very slick and clean and nice feeling. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about, there's a lot of fun video games associated with the Turtles of this era. And I think the big one was that very specific arcade game. Yes. Yeah, had the big picture of April on the side. Probably where you have the you can have four different players and you're going through the buildings that's Mm -hmm. burning at the beginning. Yep, yeah, definitely a lot of memories going to Chuck E. Cheese. Speaking of which, and you would just make friends. I know with other kids, other kids that are around. You'd get. You'd almost all pull your money together. There were
4: not enough quarters in the world to get through one of these fucking games. <laughs> no, we
5: would always beat it. Did you? Wow, yeah.
4: I don't think I ever did.
5: We would get like all the quarters and they'd be lined yeah. up along the bottom or all on the console itself. Mm-hmm. And anybody was allowed to grab them as long as you were playing. You'd yeah, have four yeah. people going and you just kept playing all four of you. Right. <laughs> there was some definitely some good nights, Absolutely. some wild times. And then you'd never talk to or see those kids again. Right. They would just be your friends for a couple hours as you took this video game down. Yep. That game was awesome, and a friend of mine actually has the arcade game in his basement. Oh, that's cool. And I just played it within the last calendar year I've played yeah. this game on an arcade Sweet. machine. But there was also the Nintendo games, too. I had oh, a couple yeah. of different ones. This movie and everything associated with it, the original cartoon and the turtles and all that stuff, it's like the perfect storm of elder millennial nostalgia. Definitely. This is right there in the heart of it.
4: Yeah, I think I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lunchbox in elementary school even.
5: That checks out. I, I was, may have too. I, I don't know. I was sticking around. They still had me. April's rescuers are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, Blue Mask, Katana Swords. Donatello, Purple Mask, bow Staff. Michelangelo, Orange Mask, Nunchaku, or Nunchucks. <laughs> Raphael, Red Mask, twin sigh for some reason they're all named after italian renaissance artists and they return to their hidden lair in the sewers
4: Raphael coming back with one sigh i totally get his anxiety about this though now i have one sigh i would be walking around filled with regret about how we handled that situation
5: to help disguise how cumbersome and slow the turtles costumes were dialogue scenes were shot at 23 frames per second So that when they were played at the normal speed of 24 frames per second, they appeared a bit sharper. For the same reason, fight scenes were shot at 22 or 23 frames per second. So they had to kind of work around the clumsiness of these costumes. And as I said, there are some brief moments, if you're really paying attention, where you can kind of see the men in the mouths. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of freaky because you sometimes see the double set of teeth. Oh, yeah. If you really freeze frame some of those shots. And it is kind of creepy. Weird. The Turtle's Master is a talking rat named Splinter who is teaching them the art of ninjutsu while trying desperately to keep them hidden. Sort of. And also under control. When you
4: get to his flashbacks of when he was a rat teaching himself martial arts, maybe some of the most impractical movements you've ever seen for a rat's <laughs> body.
1: We have had our first battle, Master Splinter. They were many, but we kicked. We fought well. Mm -hmm. Were you seen? Mm -mm. In this, you must never lapse. Even those who would be our allies would not understand. Our domain is the Shadow. Stray from it reluctantly, for when you do, you must strike hard and fade away without a trace. I lost the sigh! Then it is gone. But I can get it back, I can get it back! Raphael, let it go. <coughs> <Aye>. <coughs> Your ninja skills are reaching their peak. Only one. Truly important lesson remains, but must wait. I know dress? it is All hard right. for you here, Good. underground. Yeah, okay. I want a but large thick crust with it. double cheese, I've ham, your pepperoni. Life. Your teenage minds abroad, eager. But peppers. you must never stop practicing the art of ninja. Yeah, the those art those of invent. invisibility. Oh, but no anchovies. And I mean no anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call legend uh Uh, that'll do. And the clock's ticking, dude.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are still young, but one day I will be gone. Use my teachings wisely. I suggest we all meditate now on the events of this evening. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Well, this is like meditating.
2: Hey, Rap, where are you going? Out to a movie. That okay with you? Yeah.
1: Suck it to me, baby.
5: They have a payphone in their lair and a pizza obsession. I was kind of wondering where the money comes from for the pizza. Uh, Yeah, true. Good point. They just have have to rob people. I don't know. They rob people. (laughs) They're vigilantes protecting the city, but they also have to rob to get pizza. I guess Splinter might be sitting on a stack of
4: cash from his old master's leftovers. I don't know.
5: Maybe. A big part of the film is the moodiness of Raphael. Definitely. I don't think as a kid who was familiar with the cartoon before seeing the movie that I would have ever imagined that Raphael was going to be the star. It is weird. You just said it, but he he is the star
4: of the movie. Like He is the main character, it
5: seems. Well, I would say that Michelangelo and Donatello barely have any distinguishable personalities or features. They're both just clowns. I thought Donatello was the serious one from the cartoons. Yeah, he was always like the science nerd. Yeah, he's not that in Mm -hmm. this movie. Leonardo kind of has a personality, but it's very much overshadowed by Raphael, which is the only one that's really truly defined. And like I said, I don't think I would have ever predicted that. Raphael in the cartoon, maybe I missed something. I was just a kid, and I don't think I saw every episode, but I never really thought he was that big of a factor in the cartoon. He seemed like one of the background guys. Yeah. To me, it seemed like Leonardo and Michelangelo were the stars of the cartoon. That was
4: Everybody's favorite was one of those two.
5: That's what it seemed like. Yeah, I think so. But he's going to see a movie. He's all... Pissed off about the side. So he puts on a trench coat. This is their whole thing. They're like, we have to stay hidden. No one can see us. His disguise is a trench coat. And <laughs> a hat. His body
4: size looks like four times every human he's being. He's got a giant shell by. under there.
5: And this is before you could use a machine to get your ticket at the movies. He's yeah, got to say, I want a ticket to critters. <laughs> Someone just like has a heart attack as he walks up through a glass. There are some cool shots in the film, but the cinematography and the color grading is way off. It's hard to distinguish between the blue of Leonardo and the purple of Donatello or the red of Raphael and the orange of Michelangelo. Yeah. The color is just off. There's no other way to say it. You should be able to tell, and you can't sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but sometimes. Because that's all you got (laughs) to distinguish because they don't have personalities. (laughs) They're all kind of the same. Right.
4: Michelangelo is what you'd expect, but then Donatello is just Michelangelo number two, and I I just wonder, is is that because Corey Feldman is doing the voice?
5: If I was offering Corey Feldman a voice in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would have assumed it was for Michelangelo. Same, yeah. Pizza Hut engaged in a $20 million marketing campaign tied into the film, despite the fact that Domino's Pizza was used as product placement in the film itself. Items included advertising in print, radio and television, and several rebate coupons, You could eventually buy the VHS of this film at Pizza Hut, including also the cartoon and also a cassette with an album's worth of songs (laughs) that was not the soundtrack, which I was telling you about before we started recording because I had this weird memory. And I don't even really think it's tied in with this movie, but maybe more tied in with Pizza Hut's longstanding relationship with the Turtles and a sponsorship thing or whatever. But they created this album and then they toured it. Which seems like
4: I probably was aware of that and probably wanted to go to the tour. I don't don't think I knew that there was a tour. I just had that cassette. Yeah.
5: We're coming out out of our shells. Out of our shells. Out
1: of our shells. We're coming Out of a shell When there's music inside of you You know that someday it's got to come through That's why we're here and we're telling you true We're coming out of a shell, yeah You hear the rhythm and you're moving your feet Ain't nothing like a song with a beat. We're coming out up from under the street. Lord, we're ready a rock. There will be no retreat. We're coming out of a shell. Yeah. Out of a shell.
5: We're coming. An album? Full I don't of know. Songs I'm like that that having this weird sung. thing. Like
4: maybe I did go to this.
5: <laughs> okay. While the rest of the Turtles are enjoying their pizza back in the sewer, Raphael stops a mugging and then gets entangled with yet another vigilante, one a little more brutal than the Turtles, Casey Jones, played by Elias Coteas, who ultimately escapes after their encounter. Mm -hmm. So let's describe the Casey Jones thing. He's a guy who wears kind of a menacing-looking Punisher Skull-esque mask. yeah. Kind of. It's supposed to be like a
4: hockey mask,
5: I guess. Modified but... into a skull, kind yeah. of. And then he uses hockey sticks and other sports-related items as weapons. Uh huh. And then later in the film, he says that he was briefly a pro, like he's fucking Happy Gilmore or something. <laughs> I yeah, got he kicked did, out for being doesn't too violent. S-
4: specify which sport, though. No, you assume hockey. Yeah, because that seems to be mostly his thing. Unclear. A Jose Canseco bat. Please, tell me you didn't pay money for this.
5: <laughs> I love that Raphael just has a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Very specific character work from Josh Pace, who you would know. Okay. Josh pais I don't know how to say his name. Hmm. P-A-I-S. He's in a him. ton of things okay. as an actor. It's surprising that he was actually inside Raphael and doing the voice. Yeah. But the encounter with Casey Jones is bizarre because he reacts to Raphael as if... It's strange. He's like, what are you, a punker? I hate punkers, especially when with green paint. <laughs> yeah. It's like,
4: Josh he's a... Pace is fucking the dad of Kristen Stewart in Adventureland. Yeah, he's wow, in A Million okay. Things.
5: Casey Jones is looking at him and somehow still not clear that he's a fucking turtle man, which yeah. I don't understand. He's like, okay, maybe he has a weird mask on, but then he just sees his legs, because he gets dumped upside down into the trash can. He's like, this guy is a turtle.
4: They do play it in a way that he's noticing that something is off, though. It is like, He keeps kind of like giving him a double-take
5: look. People in this universe of the movie are a little too quick to accept these things. Yeah, I know. Especially April. <laughs> well, she at least flips out. When Raphael's chasing Casey Jones and they go over the hood of the car, uh-huh. Love this Josh part. Pace is in the car. Yeah. But... He's the passenger, and he goes, what the heck was that? And the cab driver says, looks like sort of a big toitle in a trench coat. This was very common Uh in the 80s, early 90s, too. The whole trope of only in New York, that whole thing. (laughs) You would get that in so many of these types of movies where people would no-sell something insane Mm -hmm. because we live in New York City. (laughs) You're going to LaGuardia, right? Looked like sort of a big toitle. Some of the possibilities for Casey Jones, Johnny Depp, Keanu Reeves, Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland. (laughs) The entire cast of Young Guns. Jason Patrick, Brian Austin Green, Alex Winter, Gary Daniels, and River Phoenix. Most of those I would say, yeah, keep dreaming. I think they found the level of people that would do this movie for probably the minimal amount of pay that was involved. One of the things that, for me, is unavoidable about this movie, I just wrote it down, horrible smells, Mm -hmm. rat breath.
4: Yeah, rough.
5: A lot of stink going on in this movie. They live in a sewer. Uh, Yeah, I was
4: going to say, they live (laughs) in the sewer. If there's a sewer you
5: don't want to live in, it's got to be New York City number one on the list. And they're turtles, and they live with a rat. They don't really seem like they're cleaning themselves up. Not a lot of hygiene going on.
1: Seems like it'd be rough could have called me last night you know call it a quirk but I like to know when one of my best reporters has been mugged
0: I wasn't mugged Charles besides I knew you just worry and then you rush over here like you did this morning
1: well from now on security's going to escort you to that stone-age van of yours every night yes sir I'm not kidding April
0: ah oh. hey Danny how's school going fine
1: oh wonderful So wonderful, in fact, I have to drive him there every morning now just to make sure he goes. See? That's what he does when he wants to ignore me. Sticks his head in those things. I wonder where the hell he got those things anyway.
0: Charles, give the kid a break.
1: Just what is going on out there, April?
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. After everything I've been hearing out of Little Tokyo, Stearns is going to have some answering to do this afternoon. Hey, hey,
1: hey, look. Just take it easy, okay? He's already got the mayor breathing down my neck.
5: April's boss, Charles, played by Jay Patterson, and son, Danny, played by Michael Turi, stop over at her house to check on her after she was mugged the previous night. We as viewers have already seen Danny involved Mm -hmm. in the pickpocketing going on. He's always wearing Sid Vicious shirts. Yes. All of his shirts have Sid Vicious on them for some reason. That's a statement. Yeah, he's like, I'm really into doing heroin and murdering my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) April continues investigating the crime wave, even though she's getting pressure not to, correctly theorizing it to be the work of the Ninja Foot Clan, the Foot's leader, the Shredder, orders his crew to silence her. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the big issues with this film that a lot of critics pointed out at the time, and something that I think when you look back on it in 2023, you can kind of recognize a little more clearly, is that the villains of the film are basically all Asian. Yeah. Variety described, quote, overtones of racism and its use of Oriental villains, which is funny because even in these things, they are using words that are out of fashion now. While Maslin stated the story's villainous types are Asian and the film plays the yellow peril aspects of this to the hilt. Newman noted a racist joke in April O'Neil's response to the Foot Clan, What's the matter? Did I fall behind on my Sony payments? Finding that the film expressed a resentment of Japan's economic strength, even while the film is plundering Japan's popular culture. Roger Ebert, however, felt there was no racism in the film. Look, there is. I'm not excusing it either, but... This sort of was not limited to this for whatever reason. It's an unfortunate little window of time where there was a lot of unease about Japan. Hmm. It didn't last, obviously. Yeah. In fact, it gets mentioned as a thing in Red Oaks, if you remember in season three. Oh, yeah. Where they're talking about selling everything to Japan. Right. It was a fear for whatever reason. It was completely ridiculous and unfounded. It, of course, just contributed to horrible racist tropes and things of that nature and reopened old wounds from World War II with the internment camps, whatever. Tons of horrible shit. This isn't that bad or anything like that. It's not horrific. Sure. But I think that they could have benefited from having heroic Japanese characters, potentially Japanese characters being victimized too. Because she talks about speaking with New York's Japanese population and finding out about this stuff because they experienced the same crime wave in Japan and that's why she's able to put this together but we never see them. Mm-hmm. That those are just words she says. So the only Asian characters are villains and then something that they didn't even really address in the 1990 reviews is the voice work where some of the characters doing the voices in a Japanese accent are not Japanese. Right. Which some people might find surprising because you're seeing a guy play Shredder, but the guy doing his voice is not that guy. Yeah. And then the splinter voice is being done by Kevin Clash, who is not Japanese either. So Mm. there is some weirdness. but It's worth pointing out, I think, that if they make this movie now, and I'm sure the Megan Fox ones are probably like this, they handle this all a lot better. It was a little clumsy and uh-huh. unfortunate. And I think having April make that joke, too, was kind of in bad taste. But there's also a homophobic joke later, which completely caught me off guard. I did not oh, remember yeah. that. I was like, what? <laughs> so it was a little, it was a different time. They weren't thinking about those things, even though they they definitely should have been. A group of foot members attack April as she waits for the subway, The one guy's like, we have a message for you, and just slaps her. (laughs) Your mouth. Shut it. However, Raphael arrives, reclaims his lost sigh, and defeats them, carrying the unconscious April back to the turtle's lair, unaware that one of the foot is following him.
4: Yeah, pretty bad move by Raphael.
5: Well, even though he's moody and seems mad and upset all the time, he's protecting her. He's doing the right thing. He's not leaving a vulnerable woman there. But these guys,
4: you know, they're... Living in the shadows, covering their tracks all the time. I feel like he should have done better here.
5: Yeah. Finally, when April awakens, we get the screaming bit that we need from someone seeing these freaks. (laughs) She is the
4: only person.
5: (laughs) Once April awakens, Splinter introduces himself and the turtles, explaining that they were once normal animals before being mutated into intelligent anthropomorphic creatures by a mysterious chemical and trained by Splinter in Nujutsu.
1: Hi. Ah! Yes! Ah! Oh my god,
0: oh my god. I'm, dead. I'm dead. It's okay. Oh no, I'm dreaming. I must be dreaming. Okay. Um. Now those guys in the black pajamas—they jumped me. And, and that rat—I saw you in the parking lot. That explains you. And you guys.
1: Um. Hmm? <laughs> I have no idea where you came from. <sighs> if you will please just sit down and calm yourself, I will tell you where we came from. It, talks. it is really quite simple, Miss O'Neill. And he knows my name. Perfect. Fifteen years ago.
0: Why don't I ever dream of Harrison Ford? <sighs>
1: For 15 years now, we have lived here. Before that time, I was a pet of my master Yoshi. Mimicking his movements from my cage and learning the secret art of ninja. When we were forced to come to New York, I found myself for the first time without a home wandering the sewers scavenging for whatever i could find and then one day i came upon a shattered glass jar and four baby turtles that was us (laughs) Shut shut up oh no the little ones were crawling into a strange glowing ooze from a broken canister nearby i gathered them up in an old coffee can, and when I awoke the next morning, I received a shock, for they had doubled in size. I too was growing, particularly in intellect, and I was amazed at how intelligent they seemed, but nothing could have prepared me for what happened next. One of them spoke. Pizza, pizza. More words followed, and I began their training, teaching them all that I had learned from my master. Radical, And soon, I gave them all names. Leonardo, Michelangelo. It's me. Donatello, and Raphael.
4: Yeah, it's a little funny watching like these little, I don't know if it's claymation or what is well- the...
5: For the flashback of the Turtles growing up, Steve Barron was going for a retro look and decided these scenes would be shot on Super 8 film, which is why they look weird. Gotcha. Because these scenes used real Turtles as well as a mini puppet Young Splinter and Young Turtles, they were time-consuming scenes and were given to the second unit under second unit director Brian Henson. They are strange, but... I think for little kids, yeah, they work great. When you're watching them now, you're kind of like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. they look. Stupid. They're almost like
4: a separate mutant version.
5: The turtles escort April back home, and it is shocking how quick she has accepted the fact hey, that you these guys want to come exist, in. <laughs> that they talk. She's not afraid of them. She's inviting them into her home. She lives above an antique shop. I always loved this. I always thought it looked really cool. Same. Obviously, it's not real, but these are the things that stick in your head. Yeah. A lot and of
4: real estate in the O'Neill family.
5: They enjoy her frozen pizza. They have some bonding time together. April is truly a generous laugher. Definitely. Because I got to tell you, these, these impressions, impressions are stink. horrible. Yeah. They're not funny. I get that it's weird that you're watching mutated turtle men do this, and so that's kind of charming, I guess, at first. But yeah, eventually, she... I'd be like, all right, sit down. <laughs>
4: Yeah. I guess it would be funny that they think it's funny. That's
5: true. You know. Plus you'd also be terrified so yeah. you're kind of laughing out of fear. Like I, I better keep them happy. Right. But or they're gonna sh- eat me.
4: She makes a joke, it basically goes over like when I make one on the show. <laughs> Just record scratch.
5: Yeah, I have to hit pause on the recording and tell you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. When the turtles return to the sewer they find their hideout ransacked and splinter gone. Not knowing what to do or where to turn, they immediately go back to April's apartment and spend the night there. From here, the movie sort of turns into the shape of water. There's a steamy love affair between April and all four turtles. (laughs) A little bestiality, underwater sex scenes. (laughs) It gets really strange. Yeah. Well, they're all in love with her. Charles is played by Richard Jenkins. (laughs) It makes sense, though. Yeah. She's great. I
4: know. I love when they're watching her on TV and they're kissing the TV screen.
5: That would be me. yeah, (laughs) Judith Hoagie. I'm going to write her a fan letter as soon as we're done recording.
4: We should write a script for her.
5: (laughs) We'll just pass along the one we've already written for someone else. (laughs) Danny gets arrested for stealing a car stereo and Charles bails him out. They both arrive at April's apartment seemingly just so Charles can argue with her over her... News story. Do
4: you think that they have an appropriate boss-subordinate no. relationship? Him just showing up at her house? No. She's wearing a robe?
5: Even as a kid, I kind of took the context clues that there was supposed to be some sort of romantic history mm-hmm. or something, even though that's not really in the movie. But that's the messaging you're doing by yeah, its comfortable nature of just coming over. Let me
4: just take a stroll into your bathroom. Let me
5: sniff around in your bathroom <laughs> yeah. like a creep.
4: Now, when you told me that this actor that played Charles was 36 at the time, (laughs) I think I about fell out
5: of the sofa. Yeah. I just had a feeling. I'm like, I bet this fucking old looking (laughs) dude is younger than I am right now. And yep, he was 36 at the time. (laughs) The implication that you can kind of put together here is that the police chief has made some sort of a deal and put Charles up to this, like, tell your bitch reporter to stop blowing me up all over the news. For my lack of action against...
4: what exactly are you trying to accomplish out there? Besides busting my chops!
5: (laughs) Chief Stearns. While they're in the house, Danny glimpses Michelangelo hiding in the apartment, and later, on the car ride to school with his father, he bolts from the car and disappears into the subway.
4: I gotta tell ya, I know it's a quick move, and they gotta do their like whole ninja vanish thing, but Michelangelo, not the best bot that he picks...
5: Just under the kitchen table with no tablecloth, just a (laughs) bare-ass table. We get a closer look at the foot hideout, and it definitely is supposed to call to mind Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. They even replicate the one pose of a kid playing pool with a cigar in his mouth. There's huge skateboarding ramps, people playing guitar, people playing arcade games.
4: It's a cool idea. I think it plays... Well,
5: yeah, it's definitely supposed to make the kids watching the movie think like, oh, this looks great. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be seduced. But then by they it.
4: throw cigarettes into the mix, which is kind of a weird move. Again, well, it's a different movie. time.
5: Yeah. They definitely wouldn't have kids smoking cigarettes yeah. and cigars in a PG movie. Right, now. Yeah. That would almost make it rated R now. But yeah, for us cinephiles, we recognize Sam Rockwell. <laughs> a cinephile. You have to be a cinephile to know who Sam Rockwell is. <laughs> now you do. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Rockwell kind of becomes the de facto leader of the non-ninja guys who don't have the costumes on. that's
4: the thing. There's a part of the gang that never does martial arts. Well, you haven't graduated up
5: to that yet. Yeah. You haven't passed the test. They have to make that seem like something you want to do. Right. Like, you got to get to this level. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, we do see some fight training going on. Tashashiro Obata as Tatsu. Mm -hmm. And James Sato as the Shredder. As I was alluding to earlier, there is a weird thing with the voices here. These are right. Japanese actors, and then the voices are done by non-Japanese voice actors, but they're doing accents. Yeah, that it's is a weird situation that I'm not really sure what the fuck is going on. But, on the plus side, Shredder looks fucking badass. Definitely. The whole helmet thing and the shoulders. Now, this is something that happens all the time. You have a popular intellectual property getting turned into a film for the first time and then you have the fan people getting upset and being like oh, they got to do this right they got to do that right the casting blah 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 blah." i don't know it seems fucking simple they just make shredder look cool like if yeah. you only saw the cartoon and you're like shredder's this bad guy he's got a cool helmet etc whatever and then this is what you see in the movie you're like holy shit yeah <laughs> they really knocked it out of the park
4: yeah, the only thing that I don't think looks that great is his like cape that looks like it's made of a hefty bag.
5: Oh, well, it's a little '90s. Yeah, it's, got, it's a bedazzled trash bag. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Money cannot
5: buy the honor
3: which you have earned tonight. You make us all proud. Only effort, discipline, loyalty, earn the right to wear the Dragon Doji. You are here because the outside world rejects you. This is your family. I am your father. I want you all to become full members of the foot. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature who interfere with our business. You are my eyes and ears. Find them. Together we will punish these creatures.
5: At the foot's hideout, Shredder informs his followers of the turtle's threat. We see Splinter being held captive, confirming who took the turtle's master.
4: If there was ever any, any mystery.
5: Just a giant, wet, unhappy rat. Yeah. Having a rough like. time. Yeah. Danny sees an opportunity and reports to Shredder his findings. By the way. He spotted Michelangelo.
4: You talked about people underselling shit, but it, I know that they have a history. But there's no reason for Shredder to think that there's something going on here. Would he not be like, what the fuck? It's just another person in a long line that doesn't make What it about enough-
5: Danny? He literally saw a turtle in April's apartment yeah, and yeah. just moved on with his life. Well, he thought maybe he was seeing things. <laughs> and then Shredder confirmed, like, yeah. yes, there are giant turtles walking around. Right. April ramps it up on the news rather than toning it down, sort of defying yes. her boss It confirms that there was a deal between the police chief and Charles because he calls and he's like, what
2: the fuck? I thought we had a deal.
5: The amount of spit that must come out of that guy's mouth when he's talking. Meanwhile, there's three newswomen in the film. There's April. The woman she's talking to is June. Mm -hmm. And the one she references at the end of the film is May. Oh, April, May, and June. That's funny. (laughs) Raphael argues with Leonardo over his leadership or lack thereof And then retreats to the roof of the apartment where he's got to dance fight it out. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's literally Hot Rod. (laughs) (laughs) Where he is spotted by Casey Jones. Just happens to be sitting on the roof of a New York City building. Yeah. Well, he seems like a homeless drifter. Yeah. That's what's cool about this movie, though, is like there's a lot of strange scenes and interludes. And from here, they're only going to get stranger. Like, things you just wouldn't expect in this type of movie- designed for a younger audience superhero type properties yeah heroic formulas very interesting weird moments and this looks weird and cool because it's kind of a far shot right of a guy in a turtle
4: costume doing like martial arts by himself just doing like flips really yeah he picks up his binoculars and looks across and gets a better look
5: the Foot arrive on the rooftop, beating Raphael unconscious, while April arrives home from work and gives the other three turtles a tour of the antique shop below, which evidently she owns and operates on a part-time basis <laughs> for some reason.
4: <laughs> yeah, she moonlights as a antique
5: store owner. When they come back upstairs, the Foot Ninjas throw Raph through the skylight and into April's apartment. I guess you could say one of the violent elements to the movie is they beat Raphael into like a coma. Yeah, I think that there's definitely traumatic stuff for, like, little kids. Right. And they kind of have to insert little moments to lessen it, because they immediately have April go, is he?
4: He's alive. Barely. Like, how can you tell what level of life he's on? He was only mostly dead.
5: (laughs) Yeah, they just have to throw little moments into it, reassure people. And then, when the foot soldiers come in and they start having a little battle, they launch into this nunchuck showdown between Michelangelo and one of the dudes. It's like...
4: Ah, a fellow chucker, eh? It's
5: a little over the top. Yeah,
4: but I like the way that that ends. He's like doing a basketball spiral or whatever on his finger, and it's just going nonstop, and he just says, keep practicing.
5: A brawl ensues, completely trashing April's apartment. Eventually, when more members of the foot come into the apartment, everyone crashes through the floor and down into the antique shop, where Tatsu and other goons are already waiting. At some point, Casey Jones joins the fray on the side of the Turtles. Damage to the power lines causes the apartment building to catch fire. Thankfully, I guess April was the only person living in this building, even though from the outside the building looked kind of big.
4: Yeah, it did seem like all the stuff they have in here should have started like a
5: fire through the whole block. The Turtles and April escape with help from Casey Right before Casey himself jets, he hears an answering machine message left for April from Charles telling her that she's fired. <laughs> it's so <laughs> Such callous. Such a weird moment. Yeah. The building is a complete inferno, and from across the way, we see Danny watching the whole thing, realizing all of the shit that he's just caused. If you're April, you got to be thinking, was this really worth it, <laughs> getting involved no. with all this? Yeah. <laughs> My life is ruined now. I just lost my job and my house burned down and my family's business. Driving out to the country. Tatsu has failed the shredder and has a complete fucking meltdown back at headquarters. In the script and novelization, the young boy that Tatsu attacks was to die from the beating. The sounds of the boy breathing and others saying he would be all right were added at the last minute after the movie ratings board objected to the scene. Mm -hmm. In the French version of the movie... The boy does die. Yeah, you can definitely tell that it was
4: added in.
1: How can a face so young wear so many burdens? So, you can talk. Yes, and I can also listen. Some say that the path from inner turmoil begins with a friendly ear. My ear is open. If you care to use it.
5: No, I don't think so.
1: What is your name? Danny. And have you no one to go to, Danny? No parent? My dad could care less about me. I doubt that is true. Why? All fathers care for their sons.
5: Guilt-stricken... Danny seeks counsel from the imprisoned splinter, which inspires him to pull away from the foot. And this leads into what I refer to as the farmhouse interlude. It's a section of the film which really stands out and sticks with you because of how different it feels. I think it's cool. Part of it is what I chose to be the opening clip of the movie because it's what's always stood out to me even as a little kid. Because, look... When I first saw this movie, it's not like I had seen a ton of other movies. Right. I was a little kid. This is one of my first theatrical experiences. But all of the years later, it's something that always stayed with me because I never saw anything like this. It's just a whole different emotional approach. Right. They even have April do that narration where she's like, this is the first time they've ever dealt with defeat and failure.
4: The separation from
5: their father, one of their brothers is like in a coma it's dark yeah and we can't exactly take him to the fucking hospital because he's a turtle man so we don't know what to do
4: (laughs) yeah i don't know that they're properly equipped to nurse him back to health really so they just throw him in a bathtub and hope but i do enjoy casey's commentary through a lot of this didn't they use this house in the grapes of wrath
5: (laughs) it's like where were you living before this
4: really aren't you a homeless man
5: (laughs) april's van is fucked The house they go to does belong to April's family. Casey breaks the news to April regarding her job or lack thereof. (laughs) Just saved you an eight mile walk. He refers to her as Broadzilla.
4: (laughs) Oh yeah, misogyny at an all time high with Casey Jones.
5: Hilariously, he never once says her name or refers to her by name. Even though they fall in love in the film. (laughs) Never says April, ever. Legend is what I would say. I got it. Princess. Donatello, boom, with the moonlighting joke, yeah. which is just for a certain generation of people that I don't even think kids would get. Moonlighting, of course, the Bruce Willis, Sybil Shepherd show, which was all built on the premise of the will they won't they mm-hmm. fighting, but they love each other right. kind of a thing where it's like people want them to get together. It became like The Office with Jim and Pam, mm-hmm. but then they eventually did get together. Although they never really had an anti- antagonistic relationship in the office. But you know what I mean. Like, yes. will they, won't they? It's more like Sam and Diane on he, Cheers. Oh, yeah. April launches into narration out of nowhere. <laughs> Completely ridiculous, but I love it. They just toss Raphael's ass in the tub. He's, like, not even laying in it in a normal way. No, I know. It's, like, on his side. He looks dead. <laughs> Does he
4: not need to eat at some point?
5: I don't know how much time is supposed to have gone yeah. by. It's hard to tell.
4: True. Plus, I don't know anything about turtles. <laughs> you do get the sense that they're at this farmhouse for,
5: like, months. I don't know if it's supposed to be months. <laughs> I was thinking, like, a week. Yeah, yeah. If it was months, I think that April would be pregnant by the time they Well, based back. on her narration, And I mean though... by Casey, not one of the turtles, Matt. <laughs>
4: well, listen, based on her narration, she's, like, building in backstories for everybody.
5: <laughs> she seems to know these turtles very well all of a sudden.
4: Donatello's found someone to latch on to. Implying that him and Casey have built this whole ongoing over a relationship. The course of a couple days. Yeah.
5: At one point, she's just like, Elephant in the room, Casey, what do you do for a day job? Are yeah, you employed, really. sir?
4: <laughs> when was the last time you've taken a shower?
5: The bum's lost, sir. <laughs> I'm My, a
4: professional vigilante.
5: Sloppy script alert Michelangelo does not speak the entire time they're at the farmhouse. Yeah. He does laugh. And make a noise? He has a moment. He makes
4: the turtle wax joke, right? He doesn't say anything. No, I know. Well, it's physical humor.
5: Now, they did cut a lot of scenes out of the farmhouse, I believe, a lot of the deleted scenes. So I'm sure he did talk at one point, but it ends up being weird if you pay attention to it. It's not something that most people would necessarily notice or pay attention to, but it speaks to what we were saying before, where they really focused on giving... Raphael and to a certain extent yeah. Leonardo, something to do, and then the other two just sort of are there.
4: Well, Michelangelo is the joke man, and th- we're not in the joke part of the movie. He can't
5: get pizza out this farmhouse, no. he's fucking losing it. <laughs> it's like his own personal version of The Shining, yeah. <laughs> he's breaking doors down with an axe because he can't have pizza, which is like literally me. <laughs> Raphael finally awakens and we have a little training montage of them getting back at it. Casey and April finally give in to the inevitable. They don't kiss, but he sort of like forcibly gives her a massage. Yeah. And then she likes it. It's kind of rapey. <laughs> it I is guess. weird, yeah. Leonardo receives a vision of Splinter and then gets the rest of the turtles to join him in contacting their master through astral projection. Yes. This is something that actually happens in this movie. Well, I didn't know that Splinter had supernatural abilities. Well, they needed a way to make this all work, and we're getting into Star Wars territory. They have like a campfire, and then they're talking to Splinter via some sort of spiritual thing. It's
4: an emotional jolt, though. (laughs) By the end of this, I'm teary eyed.
5: (laughs) Splinter Um, is so wise and knowledgeable.
4: Is it Donatello or Michelangelo that brings like marshmallows? Don't don't worry, I came prepared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well,
5: if he says that, then it was Donatello. I think it must be Donatello. Because yeah. believe me, I didn't just write down that fact. Okay. I confirmed. He does not yeah. speak then it, the entire do, time. Then it's
4: Donatello.
1: the greatest truth of the ninja. That ultimate mastery comes not of the body but of the mind. Together there is nothing your four minds cannot accomplish. Help each other, draw upon one another, and always remember the true force that binds you. The same as that which brought me here tonight. That which I gladly return with my final words. I love you all, my sons.
5: Basically, Splinter delivers his final lesson to the turtles, inspiring them to return to the city. How far away from the city are they? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it could be anywhere close to New York City, but I'm not. I don't know.
4: It starts to get rural. Yeah, but it doesn't look
5: like. It looks like somewhere in the south. Well, that's true. (laughs) There's like weeping (laughs) willows. Where they filmed, it's like the same house they filmed Interview with a Vampire, right? The turtles return to their sewer hideout and discover Danny hiding there, and then they start hatching some big slumber party plans. You
4: would think that they would have some foot members staking this place out full time for them to come back. You would think. But, I don't know, Shredder's a two-bit criminal.
5: They allow Danny to stay with them for the night. <laughs> I love that April was just cool with sleeping down in the sewer now. Well, she was really embracing this lifestyle.
4: <laughs> Being a trash bag. I mean, listen, she's an investigative journalist, you know? She goes out into the field and lives amongst her subjects.
5: She's like, hey, do you guys have a bathroom in here? And they're like, don't worry, you can shit on the floor. It's a sewer. (laughs) We live in a bathroom. (laughs) She's like, hey, I just thought of something. Aren't you guys walking around butt-ass naked all the time? (laughs) Don't you want to wear any clothes? Right. There's a little bit of some Casey Jones gay panic whenever he gets accused of being claustrophobic. Yes. He goes, "Uh, I've never even looked at a guy. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Why would they feel the need to include that? I don't know. So he ends up sleeping in the truck because he is claustrophobic. It's a restless night for Danny down there in the sewer. Clearly he has a lot of father issues going on and the voices of the Shredder and Splinter banging around in his head. He doesn't know what to do or where to turn or who his real family is because that's the whole thing with the Foot Clan. They really are trying to appeal to aimless youths. No girls, though. No, no. Kind of sexist. I think so. (laughs) I think if they got to do the Foot Clan today, we got to have equal women in there. Absolutely. While the Turtles are sleeping, Danny returns to the Foot's hideout and meets with Splinter again. Unbeknownst to Danny. He's been tailed by Casey Jones, who spotted him leaving the sewer. Splinter tells Danny the story of how, when he was still in an ordinary rat, <laughs> he learned ninjutsu from his former master. So I, I don't know how you could really call yourself an ordinary rat if you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. The you ninja Hamata Yoshi. before
4: the fucking ooze situation.
5: Fellow ninja Oroku Saki rivaled with Yoshi over the love of a woman. Folks. Where it always starts. Yeah, exactly. I can kind of see why there's no women allowed in the foot. (laughs) There'd be a lot more deaths. Her name was Tang Shen, and she fled with Yoshi to New York to avoid conflict with Saki. However, Saki pursued and killed them both. So this flashback is ridiculous. This is ludicrous. There's a dancing rat pretending to do karate or some shit. What the fuck is this?
4: I know. Like I said, the mechanics of this rat, insane.
5: After Saki kills Splinter's master, Splinter leaves scars on Saki's face and Saki cuts off Splinter's ear. God only knows why he didn't just kill the rat. By the way, not a great showing by Splinter's master here. I know. Disposed of immediately. Danny asks him, Well, where's this dude at now? Somehow. No <laughs> not, one could no piece out. all this together. Yeah. Why
4: are you telling me this story, rat? <laughs>
5: Yeah, he's kind of like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? I don't give a shit. But I
4: also love Splinter's answer because he's like, no one knows. And I'm like, well, how do you know no one knows? Who are you talking to? What is the circuit? <laughs> the
5: consensus is nobody knows. Yeah, But you wear his symbol upon your brow. Yeah, so I think somebody knows. The movie portrays Hamato Yoshi as Splinter's master owner and Splinter learned his ninja skills through observing and mimicking him. This is true to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, but was the first time this version of Splinter's origin story was seen on screen. In the cartoon, which began in 87, which was the first ever adaptation, Master Splinter is Hamato Yoshi and became a rat after being exposed to Mutagen. Hmm. Talk about how horrific that would be. Yeah, really? You were a regular guy and you just became a rat man? <laughs> I don't know. That kind of feels I'm like actually, the transformation. No, I actually graduated yeah. from high school with a few guys who became rat men.
4: You do a podcast with one.
5: <laughs> Shredder discovers Danny back by Splinter and deduces the turtles have returned when he finds one of April's sketches of Leonardo in Danny's pocket. It's like fucking Titanic with these sketches. Mm-hmm. Leonardo was like, draw me like one of your French girls, April. (laughs) Just fully nude. Because they're always fully nude. Exactly, yes. (laughs) Shredder's like, why is this turtle naked? What the fuck is this? Danny's just
4: like, that's just how they are. (laughs) Do they have dicks? I don't know. I don't
5: understand what's going on. I think the shell is considered some sort of wardrobe. Oh, you think they could take the shell off? No, I don't know. (laughs) Turtles can't take their shells off. (laughs) They're not fucking hermit crabs. No. Shredder orders Splinter to be killed, and Danny hooks back up with Casey, who is now wearing a stolen Foot Clan costume. Danny panicked, screaming in Casey's face, they're going to kill Splinter. Yeah. Meanwhile, does Casey even know who Splinter is? No, he doesn't. But I
4: was thinking, maybe he should, though.
5: <laughs> Wait, why?
4: I, because he just spent all this time at the farmhouse with Oh, so people were guys. talking about him? Yeah.
5: Okay. Yeah, I get it. It's just funny that in the movie you're yeah. like, wait a minute, does he even know who that is? Right.
4: Well, he does give him a look like he doesn't know, but he just knows it's bad, so he's going to try to help. Yeah. That's the the level of emotional acting that Elias <laughs> Koteas can bring to the screen.
5: I've always liked Elias Koteas, although I don't know that I've seen a ton of things he's been in, even though he's worked forever. He does forever. pop up. Yeah. yeah. This was the one time he looked really cool. I know. With cause the long hair. After this, it, it's been just like the bald, the skulllet look. <laughs> yeah, long hair, but yeah. I don't think you ever had a skullet. No, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> As members of the Foot Clan descend into the sewers to do battle with the turtles, Danny and Casey free splinter. They're confronted by Tatsu. I oh. love that behind Tatsu is one of those ninjas and he's just smoking a cigarette. I'm like, is that supposed to be intimidating? I, like, that guy's yeah. going to be out of breath immediately.
4: I love Shredder telling Tatsu straight up, this time I'll go myself. There'll be no mistakes.
5: What a burial of Tatsu. Yeah. Tatsu buried. Yeah. Tatsu's beating the shit out of Casey, but then Casey just takes a golf club out of one of the boxes because they have all this loot there and then just wins immediately. I know. Tatsu does kind of sting. Right. They
4: don't really show it. It seems like he connects with his midsection and sends him flying across the room. I think if he hit him in the head with this golf club, it would be immediate brain hemorrhage.
5: Some of the other people besides Sam Rockwell that are in the assorted youths. Skeet Ulrich, who you can see standing next to Sam Rockwell here at the end when Rockwell's talking again. And apparently Scott Wolf as well, but hmm. I, I didn't pick him out of the crowd, so I don't know.
4: You call this down here and that? Over there? Family? Then they don't even say anything else. Yeah. they just kind of like <laughs> then so they're just, disgusted. They're, and then they're just sort of like, well, I guess we're just going to follow Casey Jones now.
5: <laughs> well, these kids, you know, they have a history of disappointing their own parents. And yeah. Casey's like a new father figure. That's and right. They can't bear. That was like worse than him beating them up. Yeah. They're like, oh, God. <laughs> We've humiliated ourselves. We're living in shame. Meanwhile, I'd be grabbing up that free loot. I'm like, I'm going to take this stuff and then just head home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be involved with whatever happens next. No, I never gave my name to anyone. I'm just going to leave. (laughs) See ya.
4: Yeah, pretty good moment when they first start rescuing Splinter, and Splinter just looks at Casey and is like, who are you? (laughs) Casey Jones.
5: I'm a friend. Yeah, there's that dramatic pause. (laughs) Yeah. A friend. Yeah. Once Tatsu is knocked out, the other kids, led by Sam Rockwell, don't put up any resistance, as Splinter lectures them on Shredder's bullshit. (laughs) Meanwhile, the turtles battle the foot in their own lair, repelling them up onto the streets. They battle up fire escapes to the rooftops of the city.
4: One thing that should be pointed out, New York City, the city that never sleeps, except in this movie. Every time it's night in the city, they're the only people around. (laughs)
5: That's true. Shredder arrives and confronts them up there, and it's a massacre. Uh Uh-huh.
4: Just a beatdown. These guys have met their match.
5: Since they fight him one at a time, the turtles, it's a humiliation. (laughs) They do land, I think, one or two blows, but it's sort of like a video game. The first time you get to that final, final boss, and you're not even remotely prepared for (laughs) how hard it's going to be, and you just can't even do anything.
4: Actually, a legitimate laugh for me when they're like gathered back in their circle, like wheezing out of breath, and they're like, all right, at exactly what point... Did we lose control here? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Shredder tells them that Splinter's dead and then gets Leonardo dead to rights. Ah, the rat. Forcing the other three to toss their weapons away, which they completely fall for. And then he's like, you fucking idiots. Yeah. The three of you could have overcome me with the loss of but one. But now his fate will be yours or whatever he says.
4: <gasps>
5: but it was a lie. Yeah. As Shredder prepares to kill Leo, splinter appears and says suck my hairy rat dick motherfucker (laughs) has an uzi yeah just blows him away that's the thing i was thinking just get some guns in the mix and we can end this real quick well you know martial arts is based off honor when you join the foot you have no honor that's true god only knows how this fucking asshole got up there he could barely walk five seconds i know now Now he's he's all of a sudden scaling a building With how terrified you are of rats, imagine you looked out your apartment window and this fucking giant rat was crawling up the side of the building. Dad, I would just have to kill myself. I couldn't bear to see it. Splinter tells us what we already know. Shredder is Oroku Saki, the man who killed his master. In turn, Shredder, the dumbass of the millennium, finally understands who this fucking ninja rat is. (laughs) He's like, oh, I get it what other rat would this be
4: well to be fair
5: (laughs) but still yeah i know if you started
4: thinking about all your encounters with rats in your life
5: he had him locked up the entire time he saw you only had one ear right what are the chances i know (laughs) now i will finish what i started with your ear yeah really explaining it to the children who aren't getting in it yet that was me in the theater, like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Walking out of the theater with my mom. Like, her, she has to explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? That was that? <laughs> ah!
1: どうよし Something much worse comes for you, for when you die, it will... (laughs)
5: Shredder attempts to kill Splinter only to be thrown off the roof by Michelangelo's nunchaku. Yeah. That Splinter snagged on his way up.
4: I get that there's a little bit we're pulling out the big guns with Splinter getting involved, but
5: it yeah, is it, a, stinks.
4: it is shocking that this guy is whooping the turtles asses and, and then, then he then makes he just,
5: this huge mistake. This
4: dumb the dumbest move ever. I'm going to run for 25 yards. <laughs> Spear <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah.
5: And just get that nunchuck right around that spear, toss his ass over the side.
4: This part does look cool,
5: though, when he's holding him suspended over the roof. (laughs) Splinter, for some reason, launches into this big speech, and Shredder's like, oh, just kill me for Christ's sake. For when you die, it will be... Shredder tries to throw a knife, and Splinter drops him. He lands in a garbage truck, which Casey uses to crush him.
4: As a kid, I did struggle with that. Man, that seems like a horrific way to die. Yeah, it's so
5: brutal. Yeah, they don't really show anything, but they do kind of show his helmet getting crushed. Yeah, which even as a kid, you're not an idiot. You know right. what that he's like, oh, his head is just popping like a balloon. Yeah, it's sort of like Chris Elliott and Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's like he <laughs> falls into the garbage truck. And you're like, oh, well, he might be okay. And then Casey hits that lever and right. he starts getting crushed. Oh, well, probably not now. <laughs> <laughs> The police arrive. Oh, there's police in the movie. I forgot. To arrest the remaining foot. Foot! (laughs) And Danny reunites with his father. Charles then begs April to come back to work, giving her whatever she wants. That's right. April and Casey finally kiss, and the turtles celebrate with Splinter, and then they all have a big turtle gangbang like the end of It (laughs) with April. They all take turns. (laughs) Yeah, you know.
4: To symbolize the end of their innocence, <laughs> the end of their teenage years.
5: Oh, Let me ask you this. Do they ever at any time feel like teenagers? No. Do they feel like mutants? Kind of. Uh, if I think about it. Do they feel like ninjas? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. They're loud and obnoxious. Yeah, that's true. Do they feel like turtles? Kind of. I think I'm going to so, say the no. Shells. Uh. Okay. But kind of. Yeah. Turtles don't have giant arms and legs. Well, true. Yeah. They also don't talk, in all <laughs> fairness. It's a stretch, all of them. Sure. I'll say this, though. I love Judith Oakes so much. She's a fucking goddess. hmm She's so cool in this movie, in a way that is so underappreciated, because she didn't really become, like, a huge star. And the fact that they replace her for Secret of the Ooze, I think, was what was really holding me back from ever diving in and really embracing that movie. I know
4: what you mean. It was noticeable to me even as a kid. Okay, this is just a different woman now.
5: This knockoff April? Yeah. Who are they fooling? This is
4: like the Kmart of April.
5: I didn't love it. In the original ending, after the Turtles have defeated the Shredder and they're celebrating on the rooftop, a scene was to follow where April and Danny go to a comic book publisher to pitch an idea of walking, talking turtles. The publisher rejects the idea thinking the idea is too far-fetched. All the while, unknown to him, the Turtles are watching through the building window. Michelangelo seems to fall, but it's revealed he's hanging on the ledge commenting on what he just heard. The clip can be seen online featuring the voices of the on-set performers for the Turtles before their voices were dubbed for the final cut. Kind of dumb. I don't like those wink kind of endings. Yeah. The ending is fine. I think so. A lot of the deleted scenes were from the farmhouse giving the Turtles more character development and expanding April and Casey's budding romance. I've never checked out the deleted scenes. I'm good with the 90 minutes. Me of too. This. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Even
4: as a fan, I don't need another second. Every scene I get is just right for me.
5: <laughs> yeah, you're in and out. You get it. It's not perfect. Yeah. It doesn't hold up to maybe your adult standards of what a movie should be in terms of the plot and dialogue yeah. and stuff, but...
4: I just think, though, it is so unique. Is it the most polished movie I've ever seen? No, but it. I think it shockingly all kind of works.
5: Yeah. It's got that grimy 80s New York texture, I know, even I though love they it. weren't really filming it in New York most of the time. They really built some cool sets with the sewers and stuff, right. and...
4: And even the look of the turtles, I think, is impressive and feels very
5: unique. Yeah. Was it unique, though? I don't know if we've said that enough. Mm, I don't know.
4: Yeah, maybe.
5: I guess. The costumes are cool because they really hit a home run with the Jim Henson stuff because it could have been terrible. Definitely. With no studio involvement, it's actually a miracle that it turned out as good as it did because you're dealing with a lot of things to get the look to be something that is acceptable for a theatrical release. And there is a chance that this gets completely botched and ends up straight to video. Mm-hmm. That is definitely on the table when they're going into it.
0: 100%. What are you doing? What?
5: What? Vincent stopped making pics.
0: Well, how am I going to know what movies to see?
5: We have a wide variety of Gene pics. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Anyway... Let's move on to recommendations. Do you have anything for us? Mm, I can do one. Well, then, by all means. Let me do it. I always dread hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: The best movie that I watched recently, it was a rewatch, but streaming on Netflix, a Netflix original, Meyerowitz Stories, Noah Baumbach's movie, in competition, I think, for his best movie.
5: Have we not recommended this before? I probably
4: have, but (laughs) I don't care. We talked about it on our best of the year. No, I know,
5: but I feel like we recommended it a while ago, but okay.
4: Okay, probably, but then it'll be a third time recommending it because it's just a great movie that I feel like gets looked past.
5: Yeah, it's Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, and Dustin Hoffman.
4: And I think it's one of the most, I don't know, accurate portrayals of the family dynamics that I've ever seen. People picking up on each other's traits, all hating those traits, (laughs) but doing it also.
5: Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. So you'll get no pushback from me. I, I think it's criminally underrated in the Noah Bomback library. Right, so
4: yeah, it's if it's been recommended too many times on this show, apologies, but not enough people have watched it. So
5: Oddly enough, I'm also going to recommend a Netflix original, because I've talked so much shit on their Netflix original stuff. But there are good movies, too. It's just the percentage of quality has continuously gone down. But I'm going to recommend a movie called Gerald's Game. Based on a Stephen King book, Mm, yeah, starring Carla Gugino, where she is going on sort of a romantic little weekend with her husband. Her husband handcuffs her to the bed in terms of like lovemaking, yes, but then has a heart attack and dies. And she's basically just handcuffed to the bed. Horrifying! It sounds like kind of a weird premise for a movie. And I had read the book probably when I was way too young. (laughs) Because there's weird shit in it, like all Stephen King books, where you're kind of like freaking out when you're a kid. Because there's like child molestation stuff oh, in boy. it, and sexual stuff, and you know, whatever. But yeah, somehow they pulled it off. Mike Flanagan directed it, who's kind of a cool horror director that has gained more and more oh, prominence yeah. over the years. And the giant from Twin Peaks is in it. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So
4: I'm interested. You told me about it when you watched it.
5: Yeah, it's a few years old now. We were still living in the South Side when this came out. But it's pretty good. And I figured, hey, I'd recommend a Netflix movie because I know over the last few weeks I had trashed them a little bit. And my second recommendation is available to stream on Netflix, but it is not a Netflix original. And I may have recommended this before. And it's a movie we will probably do at some point on the podcast. Although it is one of those movies that's very daunting. It's over two hours and it's pretty dark. Mm. Prisoners. Oh, starring Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah. All of those people.
4: This is is that Villeneuve? Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's one of the best movies maybe of the last 10-15 years. I don't think I had it in my top 10 of the decade when we did those lists, but it would definitely be like in my top 15 or 20 of the 2010s, let's right. say. I think it came out like 2013 or something like that. It's one of those great adult mystery thriller drama type things that are pretty rare but is reminiscent of something like seven or something from like the 90s we don't get as much of them now it is dark and upsetting at times but it's really cool it's worth checking out if you've never seen it i would recommend watching it one day we'll do it on the podcast that's really all i'll say about it I don't okay want to Spoil anything all right so it was a big week this week If you have a listener request, they are $50 for a movie up to 2 hours and 10 minutes. Longer than that, $75 up to 3 hours or so. And then after that, we would have to negotiate. But whatever, you can hit us up on Twitter at GreatestPod and work those details out through the DMs or just tweet at us and then slide into the DMs, whatever you want to do. We have a tip jar. Right now, we're basically doing Cash App. If you reach out via Twitter or email greatestpod at gmail.com we can also maybe do something with PayPal. We'll make it work. Whatever we gotta do we'll try to figure it out. If you'd like a sticker that is still free, you can let us know in those same places. Please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Podbean. Wherever you find us, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And finally, come join the party over on Letterboxd. Oh yeah. You can find us at Zach 1983 Z A C H one nine eight three and Matt Crosby, M A T T C R O S B Y on there.
4: We gotta get the party going again, actually.
5: Yeah, it's pretty dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's mostly because I'm working on this podcast nonstop now. Uh huh. I have to wake up and plan my day around work for this podcast. I know that sounds insane, but it's kind of true. I think I'm gonna have a little bit more free time over the next two weeks, maybe to actually watch some things and log them so we'll see but yeah if you find us via this show and want that follow back just let us know make a comment on one of our reviews or something whatever just let us know either on twitter or in a comment or something and we can follow you back and we'll go from there thanks so much for listening thanks for the support it means a lot to us please continue to spread the word email us greatestpod at gmail.com hit us up on twitter Questions, comments, concerns. I love hearing from people discussing Absolutely. yellow jackets. Yeah, weigh in. If you watch Party Down on Stars, I think by the time you hear this, it's probably over, but let me know what you thought about season three. Whatever. Or a recent episode we did. Whatever you want to talk about. We love hearing from everyone and we really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All oh, the
2: half-shell, they're the heroes for. In this day and age, you could ask for more? The crime wave is high with bargains mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. reporter was hot on the trail, determined to put these crooks in jail. She spied the bad guys and saw what happened, but before she knew it, she fell in a trap and got caught. Yeah, she was all alone, with no friends and no phone. Now this was beyond her worst dreams, because she was in by some wayward teens. Headed by Shredder, they were anything but good. Misguided, unloved, they called them the foot. They could terrorize and be angry youth and They'd mug the people who needed proof Then from out of the dark came an awesome sound Shouted "cowabunga!" as they hit the ground From the field of weeds, the heroes rescued the flower Cause they possessed eternal power
3: Believe in and find the strength to do what's right, that's turtle power.
2: Girls on a half shell, they're on a mission. When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home. Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning, they were once normal. But now the mutants splinters the teachers, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear goo. Pizza's the food that's sure to please, these ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese. Back to the story, it's not hard to find, ninjas not just of the body, but of the mind. Those are the words that the master instructed, but a letter from Shredder had splinter abducted. That was the last straw, spring into action, step on the foot, now they're gonna lose traction. Now this is for real, so you fight for justice. Your shell is hard, so you shout, they can't dust us all. Like some old coffee table, since you've been born, you've been willing. Unable to defeat the sneak, protect the weak, fight for rights and your freedom to speak. Now the villain is chilling so you make a stand. Back to the wall, put your sword in your hand. Remember the words of your teacher, your master. Evil moves fast, but good moves faster than light. Shining for your illumination. Good versus evil equals confrontation. So when you're in trouble, don't give in and go sour. Try to rely on your eternal power.
5: I've been doing a lot of thinking and I realized I've spent years trying to fix this, to fix us. And the truth is,
3: I don't love you anymore. I want to,
0: but I can't. Don't you have anything to say?
1: Yeah, I've got something to say. If you think you're getting the kids, you're crazy. Middle-aged mutant, Middle-aged mutant ninja turtles. Middle-aged mutant ninja turtles. Middle-aged mutant ninja turtles. All of them are dressed in Under Armour. They came from mutagens and secret ooze. Middle-aged mutant That's right. ninja turtles. Now they do their shopping at Whole Foods. I bring my own. All of
3: them are sober now. Turtle power. Hello. Hi, Don, this is Dr. Furstenberg. Oh hey. Is this a good time to talk? Uh Uh-huh. Now, as you know, we found a suspicious lump on your spine. Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, we got your test results back. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the report right now and, as it turns out, it was just a benign cyst.
2: Oh. Oh, okay, great.
1: Thanks. (sighs) Middle-aged mutant Ninja Turtles Middle-aged mutant Ninja Turtles Middle-aged mutant Ninja Turtles
3: Hey, uh, did you hear about Shredder? No. What happened? He died. Wow, seriously? Yeah. You uh,
5: think we should go to the funeral? No, no. Maybe the wake, but definitely not the service. Yeah.
3: Hey, man. Can I borrow some money? Again? Come on, Raph. <laughs>
1: And I gotta stop betting on golf. I don't even watch it. Middle Age, mutant Ninja Turtles, their best days are way behind them.